Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope Community. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're hanging out with us. Um, if it's your first time, I, I want to say welcome. Um, my name is Mick, Mick Cox. I'm glad that you're here with us. And we have this thing around Hope Community. If it's your first time and you're with us, guess what? You're a part of our crew. You're a part of the Hope community. You are a Hope dealer. So what you do right now, uh, whether you're at home or wherever and you're watching this on your phone or, or your TV or whatever you're doing, whenever that is, guess what? That's Hope community. You're a part of it. We, we've moved beyond uh, four walls. We've moved beyond a, like a, a central location and we're just trying to do this wherever we're at. It, it's a movement. It's not so much a place and so we're excited to have you with us um, hold on one second I'm gonna <laughs> I'm still trying to to get rolling today um, good news uh, Lens and I are officially um, out of quarantine so it has been a crazy few weeks um, and not only for, uh, you know, physically, but just emotionally and everything else. And so we thank you for your prayers for us. We thank you for the prayers uh, for others in our community that has been dealing with COVID over these last few, week, it, few weeks. Um, it has been uh, just, just some crazy things going on. And so we thank you for uh, just praying and, and sending us good, good uh messages and stuff so we could see it. It's been awesome. Um, I have something on my heart today. Um, you know, the last few weeks has really exposed a lot when it comes to the heart of Christianity, uh, the view or the picture of how others see the church. And really, um, it's something that's not just been happening over the last few weeks. It's not something that's been happening over the last four years. It's something that has been going on for a while now. And there's been some things exposed. And I've been trying to figure out how do we, how do we press 
forward? How do we move? Because honestly, I, you know, and I've had several conversations with friends and, and others who've had some same concerns and, and, you know, we've talked about what, how do we, how do we even, um, how do we even talk? How do we, the terminology that we have used for years now has really, um, can be triggers for some folks to bring up past abuse from past uh, spiritual leaders and from past um, bad experiences that they have. And it's real easy for us to say things like, well, they should just suck it up and get over it. But that's not really how humanity works. That's not healthy at all. We, we're going to have to walk through those things. And, and even, let's just be real and honest, even the words church and Christianity right now, because of things that have happened, and like I said, not just over the last few weeks, not just over the, even from the last four years, these things have been boiling for a while now. Uh, the last few weeks has just really ripped the scab off and exposed everything. So how do we, how do we move forward? How do we even talk? How do we even do these things? And so, um, you know, what, <laughs> what do we do? And so I started thinking about how Jesus reacted to things in his time. Because when we read the Gospels and we read the story of Jesus and we see him interacting with folks, there was definitely some turmoil happening then. And guess what? There was a broken religious system that was in place and there was also a, a broken empire, a, a broken governmental system uh, that was oppressive as well. And so these two things were all in play while Jesus was going around sharing and speaking the good news. So, you know, how can we not just read these stories, but how can we look at this and go, how does this apply to where we're at now? And so in sharing this with you today, I in no way, shape or form want to belittle the pain and the hurt that has happened. In no way, shape, or form do I want to be one of these people that just goes, we need to unite because you can't have unity if we don't confess the garbage and the junk that's been done in the name of the church and Christianity. We cannot move forward without talking about that. So uh, what we need to do is you know, not so much look for a fight, but be prepared, be prepared to acknowledge, confront, and point that stuff out. We have to, have to. Moving forward, if the church wants to be relevant, real, and able to actually help people, then we are going to have to address and talk about racism. Talk about the, the crazy bad things that have been done in the name of the church. Those things are going to have to be talked about. It's not something that we have to look for a fight to talk about, but when it's brought up and when it's said, we have to be the ones to say, you know what, you're right. That's not, that's wrong. That should, that's not to be done in the name of Jesus. We have to point those things out. So that being said, I want to talk to you about a passage of scripture from John chapter four. I'm going to try not to read the whole chapter, but I imagine we're probably going to get into the whole thing. Um, but we're going to look at the story of Jesus's uh, interaction with the woman at the well. All right. So this is John chapter four, starting with verse one. It says, Jesus heard the rumors that were spreading amongst the Pharisees, supporting that he was baptizing more people than John. 
The fact was, he didn't baptize anyone himself, his disciples were. He then decided to leave the area and go back to Galilee. This meant that he had to travel through Samaria. En route, they approached Sikar, a Samaritan village bordering the field which Joseph inherited from his father Jacob. The well which Jacob dug was still in operation, and since it was already midday and Jesus felt exhausted and thirsty from their day and a half of walk, he decided to wait at the well while his disciples, his disciples would go into the village to buy food. When a local Samaritan woman finally arrived to draw water, Jesus immediately asked her for a drink. There were still no sign of the disciples. The woman obviously anticipated this request and was ready with her response. You are a Jew, aren't you? So why would you expect to get anything for free from a Samaritan woman? Within the politics of the day, Jews looked down on the Samaritans and had no dealings with them. He looked her in the eye and said, If you could see the generosity of God's grace gift, you would perceive who I am. So, here I am asking you for a drink, when you should be asking me, and I, will, I would give you the water of life for free. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How would you reach this living water? Whoever you are, you are certainly not greater than our father Jacob, who left, the, left us this well, and its legacy as our inheritance. He, he bought this land and dug the well. He drank from it himself, and it sustained his family and, th and their livestock for centuries. How can you compete with that? Jesus answered her, This well cannot quench the thirst that I'm, about, that I'm talking about. Anyone drinking from it will thirst again. Whoever drinks from the source of this water that I shall give will never thirst again, because the water that I give becomes an artesian well bursting from within, defining the life of the ages. Sit, uh, or, or sir, then this is what I want. I will, uh, it will save me the trouble to return here again and again to bail out the water for my thirst. Jesus said to her, Picture yourself back at home. You have discussed this with your husband, and before long, and, and before and, and before long, you will be right back here drawing water again from the same old well. The woman answered, But I have no husband. Jesus responded with, This is an honest answer and confirms my point. Marriage does not define you. You could have failed five times, and this time you're not sure about committing yourself to the guy you're living with. She was shocked. Sir, now I know you are a prophet. I'm also religious. Our forefathers worshipped here in this mountain, yet you Jews insist that everyone should worship in Jerusalem. Um, Jesus says, you have been worshipping in ignorance all along while the... while." Uh, Hold on, I missed a verse. Jesus said to her, Believe me, lady, the moment everyone was waiting has come. For now on, for now, from now on, worship is no longer about a geographic holy mountain or a sacred city in Israel to experience. The end of an era has arrived. The future is here. Whatever prophetic values were exposed in, in, uh, in external devotional forms and rituals are now eclipsed in true worship from within, face to face with the Father, acknowledging our genesis in Him. This is his delight. The Father's desire is the worshiper more than the worship.
God is spirit and not a holy mountain or a sacred city with man-made shrines. Return to your source. The Father is our true fountainhead. The woman then said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when he arrives, he will declare everything to us from heaven's perspective. Jesus responded to her, so here I am speaking to you. I am the one you are looking for. Just then his disciples arrived and they were quite surprised that he was in such deep conversation with a woman, but, but made no remarks. Leaving her water pot behind, she hurried back to the city to tell the people what had happened at the well. Come quickly. I met a man. He told me everything about my life. Could this possibly be the Messiah? She arose she, she arose their interest enough for them to leave the city at once to go meet this man for themselves. Meanwhile, his disciples were urging him to take some food. But he said, I am feasting on food you cannot see. His disciples were baffled. Who brought him anything to eat? Jesus told him, my food is to fulfill the desire of him who commissioned me and to leave no detail undone. The bread you labor for takes for four months from the day you sow the seed until it ripens in the ear, doesn't it? This is not the food that I am talking about. The fruit of your own toil and performance will never satisfy permanently. From now on, lift up your eyes. Look at yourselves and everyone else differently. See them through your father's eyes and you will know that they too are ripe and ready to discover how fully included they are in my finished work. They are perfectly mirrored in me. This harvest reveals how both he how both he, he who sows and he who reaps participate in the same joy of life of the life of the ages. Just as the proverb says, one sows and another weeps, reaps. I commissioned you to reap that which you did not labor for. Others labored and were tapped into the fruit of their toil. Intrigued by the woman's testimony, many of the Samaritans from the city believed. They then approached Jesus and entreated him to remain with them longer, so he stayed over for two days. And when they heard him speak, many more believed. They said to the woman, now we believe not just because of your word, but we have heard for ourselves and can clearly see that this man indeed is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And after the two days with them, Jesus left for Galilee. Now, I want you to look at this story, okay? Jesus is going from one place to another, and he has to go through Samaria. Samaria was a place that Jewish people did not go through because they saw the people of Samaria as less than, lower than. They were basically racist towards this group of people. Jesus travels through, comes to this city, and he's at this well, a famous well. And he's there alone, and a Samaritan woman shows up, and they have this dialogue and this conversation. And Jesus speaks to her and breaks through, breaks through all of the, the, the centuries of 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 abuse and the garbage that has been taught about this race of people has uh, uh, reaches out in grace and mercy and even speaks to her where she's at and reveals living water. 
reveals who this woman actually is. Her, her, the identity that she has in the creator. Right? And you can see in the story, she had looked for her identity in so many different places, even in relationships. And that's why she kept moving from one to the other. And it's so easy to look at this story at face value and say, well, that she was just, uh, you know, promiscuous or whatever. I mean, that's, that's not the, the true details of the story. The details of the story is she was trying to find who she was and she was looking for it in all these other people. And then she has an encounter with Christ and finds who she really is. And so she leaves that moment and and there's this picture of that she leaves the pot behind. And the pot is like this uh, dramatic picture of leaving behind who she thought she was and then going and declaring who she really is to her neighbor. She's telling people, I have tasted living water. I, I have found who I really am. Because I looked in the mirror, Jesus, and I see this is, this is who I was created to be. So she goes and, she, and, and all these other villagers come back. And there's this whole encounter that they have with Jesus himself, and they find out who they are, and they ask him to stay. So he stays for two more days just to pour into this group of people, just to tell them who they really are. That they're not the dogs that they were told their entire life. From the time they were born, they were told they were dogs, that they were nothing. That they were just a blip on the map. And Jesus reveals to them who they really are. And it's a, it's a picture of how do we move forward when we're going to have to see people for who they really are, speak to folks in real scenarios and situations, not ignore the pain and the hurt, not ignore the things that they're going through, trying to find out who they really are, but to be real and legit and allow for conversation, allow for talking about the pain and the hurt. Even the, the religious junk, you heard all the religious junk in that story. Like you say, you know, uh, you're, you're a Jewish man and, and, you know, and it's been told forever that this is where you go worship. And what we do isn't allowed and blah, 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 blah. And he cut through all that crap and got to the heart, right? And that's what we're going to have to do to move forward. We can't ignore the the racism we can't ignore the the spiritual abuse that the church has done we can't ignore uh the the pain and the hurt we have to acknowledge it we have to say you you know i see that you're hurt and i see that these things that have been done in the past has hurt you and and uh we want to come together and worship together and talk together those are the things that are going to have to take place it's it's getting real. And so um, even, even, in, um, even in this story, it's so amazing because it doesn't end here. There's, there's the legend of this woman in the church. Her name is Fotini. She's actually been, uh, she's actually been called a saint, Saint Fotini, okay? And from this moment uh, that she has this encounter with Jesus... She meets with her five, she has five sisters. She meets with her five sisters and tells them the story and they're transformed. She has two sons by two different fathers and um, she tells them they all start going and t 
telling this story of Jesus. And so they mainly stay in this hub, this city where they're at. And, and, and they become these basically these missionaries for the cause of the gospel there in that city. And then after the resurrection, they begin to move to different places as a family and start uh, communities of hope and communities of love. And they reach out and, and it's an amazing story. By the time you get to Emperor Nero and the persecution of the church, um, you see this, this event happen where uh, Peter is martyred and Paul is martyred and, and other dis, uh, early disciples are, are martyred. And so people start looking to Fotini and her family. By this time, she's older and she's been around a lot of the known world preaching the gospel and uh, one of her sons has an encounter with a uh, major Roman general. And the Roman general, general has an encounter with Christ and basically becomes a Christian. And that really ticks Nero off. So Nero goes and grabs the entire family. Not, like I said, this is church legend, okay? The Nero go grabs all of Fotini's family, brings them to uh, Rome, to the capital, and begins to interrogate, begins to um, torture them. And he takes Fotini and puts her, tries all these, and there's the, you can go and find this and read this. It's, it's a crazy story. He tries all these things to get her to renounce Christ, and he fails. And so one of the last things that he does is he takes Fotini and puts her in a cave with all this gold and all these other luxurious, lux, luxury items and I almost made Lindsay spit coffee out of her mouth. Uh, but he puts her in a cave with all these luxurious items, gold and everything. And he has his daughter go and talk to her, trying to get her to convert from Christianity. Well, the opposite happens. Nero's daughter has an encounter with Jesus, and she becomes a Christian. And this so infuriates Nero that he ends up uh, killing Fotini's entire family. Um, so... This Samaritan woman that had an encounter with Jesus at a well in Samaria, uh, she uh, move comes out of this, I mean, we're talking centuries of abuse on these people. She has an encounter. She's radically changed. And so... Um, the broken religious system is overcome, and then for, she that broken system is is overcome, and she moves forward, and she gets launched into another broken system, a broken governmental imp evil empire system that's oppressive and killing people. She encounters that and overcomes it as well, to the point that leaders in that broken system actually encounter Christ and find out who they really are. And so my message of hope for you today is this, that I know right now there is a lot of brokenness happening around us. And there's a lot of things that have been done in the name of Christ that has been evil and horrible and, and wrong. That's something that's been going on for a while now. The last two weeks has just amplified it. You know, we talked last week about the shocking scenes that we saw And among the chaos and the insurrection and the treason was symbols of Christianity. And we're going to have to talk about that. We can't ignore it.
We can't just gloss it over and say, unity, <laughs> it's not going to work. We have to identify those broken things. Because that, and whether we want it to speak for the church or not, it did speak for the church. And so if we don't want it to be part of who we are, then we have to denounce the systematic racism, the white supremacy, and those things that were portrayed before our eyes on the television. We have to denounce it. We have to say that it is anti-Christ. And we have to, from that, from this point, move forward and hope. And this story of the Samaritan woman is one way, bye buddy, is one way to uh, walk through that. For us to be able to speak in the hearts of others, then we're going to have to see their pain and their hurt. We can't ignore it. We can't trivialize it. We have to speak into it. We have to speak life and love. We have to listen with their ears. And allow, and allow um, hearts to be open and allow hearts to see Christ. That's the thing. Allow them to see Christ so they can be transformed, so they can see who they really are. And when they see who they really are, transformation begins to take place. It's that metanoia, right? The, the transforming of the mind. They begin to realize who they are. They see the image that they were created to be. Because all humanity is created in the image of the creator, right? And so they begin to see that. They begin to move in that. And those things that are broken and hurt can be healed and, and can move forward. We're living in... Some strange times, and those strange times are exposing a lot of things. It's exposing a broken religious system that entangled itself with empire that was already broken. And history has shown us in the past when, when church and empire entangle itself, it launches the world into a dark age. But here's the thing that I'm discovering is the church really doesn't have that big of an influence anymore. So the only thing that it's going to launch itself, the only thing that's going to, that's going to get launched into a dark age is the church itself. If it doesn't wake up and be, and be living water, be hope to finally let go of all the entrapments of power and money and, and influence to let go of, to finally let go of all that and get untangled from it and actually be hope. We can do this. This, I truly honestly believe we can do this. And this is what hope community is going to be doing moving forward. We are going to be leading a hope rebellion from here on out. We're going to fight against the cynicism, the brokenness, the hatred, and the anger that has been spewed from uh, religious leaders and that has really broken and divided uh, our neighborhoods, we're going to fight against that with hope. We're going to fight against that with love. We're going to be real with folks. We're going to allow uh, open places for conversation to talk about the hurt and the pain from the past. We're not going to ignore it anymore. We're not going to try to gloss over it. We're not going to try to hide from it. We're going to be real with it. And 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna see folks like this Samaritan woman who had an encounter with reality, true living water, and really turn the whole world upside down. And so we're gonna hear more stories like folks uh, like Saint Fotini and maybe Thecla and um, some other folks as well. So, hey, listen, thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Um, I want you to know, you can always message us, uh, email us, whatever. Get in touch with us. If stuff's going on and you need to talk, we're here. Um, if you need to get in contact with someone who, let's just be real, a professional, like a, a, ther a therapist, a one, number one, we want you to know that there's nothing wrong with that. So many times um, mental health is kind of shoved to the bottom inside the church and that's wrong and it needs to stop. And so we want to, we want you to know that if you need help, you need to talk to somebody, you, you, you need to connect and you don't know how to do that, message us and we'll get you in touch with some folks that you can talk to. Um, if you need anything, please let us know. Uh, you've been very generous with my family and sending us text messages and messages on here, asking us how we're doing in the midst of everything that's happened since the end of the year. And I really want to say thank you for that. Thank you for being there and walking with us with the passing of my dad. I want to say thank you for being with us after we found out that we had COVID in these last two weeks and walking through that. I want to thank you for being with us and not only my family, but the other families that have encountered this nasty, ugly COVID thing in the last few weeks. Thank you for praying for them as well. And if you're going through that right now, hey, we're praying for you. Let us know. Uh, if you're close by, we'll, we'll try and, and, and maybe do a drop off or something. But just let us know, all right? Thank you, guys. Love you. We will see you again <laughs> next week. Have a good day. You want to say goodbye? No. No? Audrey does. Here. Here. Stand right there. Bye. Say goodbye. Say bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Bye.